what would we do without women in this world? Like, I know I don't want to sound like Captain Obvious here, but really, just look around. Apollo 11, the smallpox vaccine, the first direct evidence that dark matter exists in space. These are just a few of the scientific breakthroughs first made possible by women working hard behind the scenes, and at times, even working together and supporting each other. Today, we look at how women have helped make science and our world what it is today. We'll also talk about some of the exciting changes on the way and how women and men can continue to help shape our future. You want to be an Arctic explorer? Fossil hunter? Green energy guru? Want to know what it takes to get there? Then stay tuned. Welcome to a new episode of Simply Science, the podcast that talks about the amazing scientific work that our experts here at Natural Resources Canada are doing. My name is Joel Houle, and joining me is my co-host, Barb Ustina. Barb, Hi. how are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you doing? Great. I love the energy you're bringing oh, thank today. Thank you. I am so excited about today's podcast. I'm really looking forward to celebrating the contribution of women to the world of science. And there are so many unsung heroes. It's hard to believe, but 120 years ago, women were simply not welcome in, in many classrooms or labs across the country. We like to think that we've come a long way, and, and we have, but the fact is that we still have a way to go. Oh, for sure. For example, Canada's first female surgeon. She graduated from med school in 1909, and at the time, not one single hospital in Toronto would accept a female intern. And more recently, I was talking with Petra Moody, now retired from the Geological Survey of Canada. She said when she first started, she was one of four women out of 100 scientists in the regional office. And she was asked to do some of the dirty work, like clean off the ship's decks and clean the ship's masthead. But by the time she retired in 2001, things had changed drastically, and women made up about 40% of the staff. Well, that's great. Uh, but it's interesting, though, like I have one of my good friends. She's in her mid-30s right now. Um, so when she did her co-op term in the mid-2000s, she had this really interesting experience on her first day at work. She just decided, well, you know, she needed to go to the washroom. So she went to the washroom. She opens the door, and there's a guy inside oh, no. in the women's washroom. And oh, she's no. a little shocked, and he's shocked as well. And he's like, oh, like, sorry, we, just, <sighs> we don't have any women on the team, so we just use both bathrooms. And, and that wasn't a long time ago. We're talking about like 12, 13 years ago. Yikes. So um, I think we still have a little bit to go as well, though, even though we've come so far. You I, know? Yeah, no doubt. It's hard not to laugh, but that's that's not really funny. And it's, uh, you know, the woman who discovered the first direct evidence of dark matter in space, she had a similar story to tell. She went to an observatory in Hawaii, and there were no female, no women washrooms in the building. So she cut out, uh, cut out a picture of a skirt and taped it onto a door. And she called that the women's washroom. That's so good. that's, that's how good. she did it. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, I'm glad that she was able to, you know, do something about the yeah, situation. Yeah. And even today, only about 30% of the world's researchers are women. And globally, attracting more girls and young women to science is a priority. And it's true, more and more girls are interested in STEM subjects. That's science, technology, engineering, and math. But just how big a difference that represents depends entirely on what report you're reading. 
so no wonder governments, educators, and other organizations are working to tilt the balance. And even toy companies are getting in on it. There's the Mighty Girl line. There are like pink construction tools for girl, girls who want to become carpenters or, you know, building engineers. And heck, there's even an astrophysicist Barbie and a marine biologist Barbie. So it's not for not trying. Well, that, that's great. I have a young daughter and I, I think it's amazing that these are out there for her, that she understands that the world of STEM is not just for boys. It's it's an option for her as well. So I think that's absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to know what your goal is when there are so few role models and mentors in the early stages of a career or when a girl is in school can have a huge impact and they can really open a person's eyes to the cool career opportunities that are out there that you don't hear about unless you go looking for them. That's true. Um, well, it looks like we have a lot of ground to cover on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Should, uh, oh, should we yeah. get going? You bet. Oh, yeah, let's go. Okay. So joining us today are NRCAN research scientist Holly Dole and research engineer Julia Purdy. Uh, welcome to Simply Science. Uh, so nice to see you here in person. This is really great because normally, uh, a lot of times, we talk to people on the phone, so you don't really get that, that contact, that eye eye contact. So this is yeah. really great. Thanks for coming in today. Um, so let's start by having you uh, tell me a bit about the kind of research you're involved in, and I'll start with you, Holly. Okay, so I'm a research scientist at um, the Clean Fossil Fuels Group at uh, KenMet in Bell's Corners, and one of my main projects I work on is CO2 conversion, so we're trying to take carbon dioxide from combustion processes and turn it into some sort of useful fuel, so instead of putting it back into the ground, we're trying to make it into a useful product. So, yeah. Interesting, and uh, Julia, tell me a bit about uh, your research. Right. So uh, I work at NRCAN, CanMet Energy Ottawa as well in Bell's Corners in the Buildings and Renewables Group. And so we focus our research on um, energy efficiency in construction of houses and buildings. Recently, for the past five years or so, I've been working um, in northern housing, so trying to help our northern housing partners um, in the Arctic improve the energy efficiency of the housing stock uh, to reduce the amount of diesel that they would require, but also to make the houses more resilient and um, last longer. We've all heard about the, the issues of mold in northern housing, and um, so we work to try to make them most, more efficient, more affordable to live in, and more resilient. Now, you're both from relatively, you know, untraditional streams of science, even. Um, I'm wondering if we can talk about role models a bit, you know, some of the fearless pioneers in the history of women in science. And I'm wondering, you know, who are some of the most amazing women in science that you're familiar with? And who are, who are some of these women scientists that everyone should be aware of? So I went to university in the 90s. And the internet was just in its very early stages. I don't want this to be a come around the fire, young people, grandma's going to tell you a story. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) if we didn't, um, if it wasn't someone that we were um, introduced to in class or through our colleagues at school, um, it was not as of information about um, extraordinary women in science was not as available. I found in university, um, we knew of some 
engineering um, icons, uh, but mostly the women that uh, were my colleagues and my classmates were the women Mm -hmm. from who we derived our inspiration and our... um, um, the the c- capacity to complete what we were doing. So, there what I know now a lot about um, some mm-hmm. incredible women. But back when I was a younger person, uh, I just didn't know about them. Mm-hmm. And Holly, how about you? Any, any? I almost think the same thing as you. And I'm I went to engineering in the two thousands, and I. Even in high school or elementary school, I wasn't told about other female scientists. So that's, yeah, I'm almost same page as what you're in. Um, I did learn about them once I got into engineering, but it wasn't something that I grew up knowing about or aspiring to some um, some person, some scientist. Yeah, I think um, I think it's really amazing now that uh, we have stories in movies about women. Um, we hear stories about uh, women um, f- from history that I think were probably not very well known before um, recently. Like Hidden Figures, that mm-hmm. movie. My children, um, their school went on a field trip to go and watch that movie and. It's a pretty incredible story, and um, but I didn't know that those women existed yeah. before the movie came yeah. out, which is kind of a very sad statement. Absolutely, it's sort of the the hidden figures for sure in in the background Agreed. of so much science over the last like centuries, last hundred years. Um, just sort of they're they're almost background characters in a way. Agreed. Yes. Now, just take me back to um, the moment that you knew that you wanted to pursue a career in science or knew that science was was your passion. Um, Holly, can you take me back there? Um, So I think it started in grade eight. Um, I was at a parent-teacher interview, and it was me and my mom sitting there. Um, My teacher told my mom that I excel in math and sciences and that I should consider a, a job in engineering mm-hmm. and my mom sort of looked at me and didn't know what that meant <laughs> but didn't want to say anything in the inter- uh, the parent teacher interview so we went went home and sh- we kind of just kept that in the back of our head um, but it wasn't until probably grade 11 or 12 that it was my chemistry teacher that then sort of noticed my like how I enjoyed chemistry and excelled at it so he was the one that put the chemical engineering into my head um, to be honest, I, I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. Um, Whoa. All through, I started sewing my own clothes at the age of nine, and uh, that was sort of something that I like was really passionate about. Um, I still do that. It's just more of a hobby. And um, But I think, I don't know, engineering has the creative side to it, so sewing sort of went into that as well. Yeah. A- absolutely, <laughs> engineering has that creative side yeah. to it. And I think that's part of the... The uh, challenge in, in, in kind of selling engineering and science to, to young girls and young women is that it's not often seen as a creative pursuit, and yet it is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, um, just on the creativity, when I was in university, I went through mechanical engineering because I was interested in energy, but the only jobs or the only careers that were you ever heard of were plant managers in automotive factories <laughs> and that was not something that held any appeal to me 
Um, but there are so many varieties of careers um, that engineering can lead you into or science can lead you into for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, mentors are so important to, to your career as well. I'm, w- I'm wondering, uh, Julia, you're shaking your head. Um, are there any mentors who, who really propelled you through? So I, um, when I was in engineering, when I was in university, there was 10% of the population was females. There were a couple of uh, engineering professors that were females, but um, the the mentor and I don't I, I shook my head because I wouldn't say a mentor, but um, my mother is uh, was a mathematician. She was a high school mm. teacher, and when we were younger, she went back to university. When we were little. She went back to university and graduated from computer science in the first class of computer science at Carleton <laughs> University. Wow. wow. And, yeah. <laughs> so um, she uh, did not, she was not an engineer, but um, at that time, that was the first class of computer science. And she worked um, her whole career after, you know, we were a little bit older at Nortel in a very engineering type of job. So she, it, she was not necessarily a mentor, but she was someone who I saw working mm-hmm. in a field that I had no interest in because computer science is not something <laughs> that I have any capacity or capabilities in. But um, through her, through her conversations about her colleagues who were women, um, it definitely was a someone that I, I saw as doing something in this um, realm, which yeah. I hadn't really before. Yeah, she was an amazing role model for you. She was a role up. model, yes. Don't tell her I said that, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Holly, how about you? I would actually say, uh, so the first time I came across, like, female engineers was uh, in second year university. I had a, a professor. She was actually a pretty new professor, but... Um, to this day, I still sort of stay in contact with her. Um, and also for my PhD, I chose to do um, my thesis with a female professor at Ottawa U. So that was sort of, I don't know, it was like a comfort thing for me that I chose that. I didn't realize I chose that when I did. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Now, n- now at this point in your careers, do you sort of uh, give back at this point? Do you, do you mentor any, any young scientists or engineers? I'm still quite a young scientist myself, but um, I do, I have had the opportunity to teach at Ottawa U and at Algonquin College, and um, if I can, like, help, uh, well, anyone in the class kind of get in, like, stay in the field, that's fun to do, yeah. So in my uh, group at work, there is one engineer that is a female, which is me, (laughs) and... um, But I do, I have two daughters uh, that are 15 and uh, 13, and I do talk to their friends a lot about (laughs) um, science and the possibilities that science opens for you and encouraging them um, to think about math and science. Why are we still having this conversation? 
to me, it seems like the awareness is high. Everybody knows it's good all around. Globally, it's a priority to attract more girls and young women into science. And yet we still have to have this conversation. I was talking with somebody yesterday about this podcast and that was the exact conversation we had that we shouldn't need to have a women in science podcast. We shouldn't. Why? I don't actually know. I, um, I know that there is still in high schools, um, my children come back and still have the math is hard. Science is hard. Mm. And I, that is coming from my children. And what do you say to them? I say that it's possible that you don't understand this concept, but let's not paint math as hard, mm-hmm. right? And um, I remember just an anecdote. Uh, we were in, uh, my both my daughters play very competitive hockey, and we were in the dressing room. I am the trainer on one of the teams, and we were in the dressing room, and the coach was trying to explain a play, and he said, calculus is hard. This isn't hard. And I stood up. I stood up and said, I apologize for interrupting, but do not say that to a a locker room full of young girls. Do not say that calculus is hard. I understand, you know, the point was not math is hard, Mm -hmm. was trying to make a point that this play was not hard. But we have to think about the words that we use when we're talking to young girls. And I think that's an important step. And um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I definitely agree with that. I, I honestly don't know why it's still a conversation either. But I know, uh, like, growing up, I wasn't, my parents didn't, I have two older brothers, and they didn't ever tell me, like, oh, you can't do that because your, bro- like, your brothers are doing that. My dad used to sit down with me and do fun math problems, as he called it. Um, so I never had the idea in my head that math was hard or mm-hmm. science was hard or anything like that, or that I was different from my brothers in a sense, or um, I honestly didn't know I was going into a, and like a field where I was going to be the sort of, well, not only woman, but very few. Um, So I think that helped in my case. Mm. Um, But it's because it's so well known now, too, that engineering is not the typical um, female career path. Um, Maybe it's almost emphasized too much that, oh, you're like you're going into that field of all guys. Like, so I just know myself like I didn't I didn't choose it because someone told me that like, uh, oh, you should you should go into this because like there's not many females or anything like that. I just I had the encouragement of my parents to do whatever I thought I would do, and then the two teachers that sort of noticed how I excelled in those subjects. So I'm not sure if that's a different angle to look at it. Now, do you think overall that women approach science differently or bring something different to the table in the world of science? I absolutely think so. Um, I think that um, in the world where we're making decisions based on um, knowledge and perspective, especially with the the growth of artificial intelligence, where machine-based learning, the machine only 
knows what to learn based on the people that are involved in the creation of the the machine or the the algorithms that the more perspectives that you have that are different um, only grow the capacity mm-hmm. and um, I don't I know this is a podcast about women but it's um, I think that in every conversation about science or quite frankly, the g- bigger world, but science is particular, the more perspectives from different viewpoints, the better the science is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. And mm-hmm. Holly, do you have any thoughts on, on the perspective that women can bring? Um, I think, yeah, like, well, I mentioned the creativity. I think you just, I don't know, our brains do function maybe differently and we can bring a different angle to Two projects, I don't know. Now, I just sort of want to close things off with uh, talking a bit about the different kinds of careers that people might not know about, um, men and women, when they're in college and high school, that science leads to. Like, it's a whole, there's creativity, there's, like, cutting edge, like, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I definitely, so when I chose to go into engineering I thought I was going to end up in manufacturing I really wanted to make a uh, craft dinner oh. to be honest <laughs> um, I wanted to end up at craft Canada uh-huh. um, close <laughs> close to Ottawa but that was uh, so sort of the only sort of angle that I saw and then as I started going through undergrad I did co-op um, at Ottawa U and got to see the side of research and creating new things and that made me super excited and that's sort of how I ended up doing a master's and a PhD was because of that excitement to make new technologies Mm -hmm. or new ideas and yeah. Yeah, you know, science, um, and I'll speak of engineering in particular, engineering um, through four years of university and post-grad if you choose to do it, it helps you answer questions. And that's what I, whenever anybody asks me about engineering, what did you learn? I mean, you learn about fundamentals of a lot of things, but, or whatever you focus on, but the, the, the goal of engineering is to help you solve a problem, help you answer a question. And so whether that question is how, you know, having to do with the craft dinner machine, you know, (laughs) assembly line or about, um, uh, energy efficiency or converting, um, carbon dioxide into a usable fuel, that is the, the, the number of career options is enormous because every day the evolution of society, the evolution of our lives means that there are new questions that need to be answered mm-hmm. and uh, uh, fundamentals in engineering can help answer those questions. Okay, cool. Well, uh, is there anything else that you would like to add while, you, while you're here this morning? I would add that the there are many uh, careers available in science, and the federal government, because there is um, science-based policy decisions being made every day, that there are opportunities for science in the federal government, and it is something I think that uh, young engineers, young scientists should consider. Okay. Actually, I guess I would just say to all the like upcoming scientists or engineers um, to not kind of give up ever because there's going to be times that you're going to want to and um, just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. It's a, it like it can be challenging, but that's the whole point, and the reward at the end of it is definitely 
a lot greater than the effort that you put in in the first place. When I first started here, and it was my first day of work after grad school, and I um, was very nervous, as anybody starting a first job would be. And my colleague and I were sitting at a table, and he said to me, every day you make, you come to work, and the only decision that you have to make is, does this make life better for Canadians? And if it does, then we do it. And if it doesn't, then we don't do it. And every day, even though it's hard, even though there's, um, you know, you're getting pulled in lots of directions and budgets are getting smaller, the, the goal at the end of our day is to make life better for Canadians. And so I think it's, it's very rewarding in that context. Well, <laughs> I'll sure. say that we're, we are very fortunate to have both of you uh, at NRCAN as scientists that Canada will be a better place, right? <laughs> um, so thank you so much for joining us this morning. And that was NRCAN research scientist Holly Dole and research engineer Julia Purdy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, it sounds like there's a lot of really cool careers in science. Definitely. I like the idea of being a scientist for craft dinner. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever consider a career in science? Well, I, I was always pretty good at math, so I always thought that maybe I could be an engineer. Uh, I guess it's not too late, but... You know, when you think about it, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast. Oh, no. And, and then you would have the privilege of working oh, with no, me. Oh, no. Don't do so, it. Uh, I know, right? So, I mean. That would be a tragedy. So, it, I, just it, don't do it. It would be. You know what? You've convinced me. Thank you, Barb. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you, our listeners, want to learn more about careers in science, check out the links in the episode description. If you like the episode, please consider subscribing. You can also leave a review or share this episode. And if you share over Twitter, make sure to tag me. My handle is at Joel Science, and you can follow me as well. Barb, you're on Twitter as well, right? You bet. I am at Simply Science B. That's the letter B. And I have to admit, I haven't been as active on Twitter as I want to be. So, uh, well, you want know what? to be? See what I did there? I'm uh, Simply Science B, and I want to be more. Anyhow, we're all about the puns today. Yeah, That's Simply awesome. Science also has a website and a YouTube channel, which you should check out. We have in depth articles and interesting videos that showcase the fascinating scientific work that we do at Natural Resources Canada. And you can find those links in the episode description as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye bye.